Hello, everyone. Thank you, church, for joining in. Um, we just want to thank you for uh, joining us on the online service. And uh, we're going to just dive right into worship today. Uh, so here we go. Let's sing together. And I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry the kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. See, I was breathing and I was breathing, but not alive. And all my failures, I tried. If you call my name and I ran out of the crane, out of the darkness to your glorious day, because you call Chains break out the weight of your glory. I need a shelter. You was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. You come. 
So I would like to read a piece of scripture for all of you guys. Um, it is Psalms 147, uh, one through six. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing blessed assurance. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. in his blood sing this my story and this is my story this is my song I pray submission all is at rest 
Good morning, Trinity Lion Church family. And just want to uh, take a minute to talk about a couple of things. And before I do that, we're going to be taking communion here in a minute. And so uh, if you haven't got any communion elements together yet, want to get, uh, get those together right now. And in a few minutes, I'll be leading us in communion here uh, after I share a couple of announcements with you. Um, so go ahead and feel free to just go and do that. And then you can come back and catch the announcements later. We're glad you're able to join us with us online. We miss you, wish you could be with us here uh, at Sunday morning. We're meeting uh, in person in the amphitheater and it, um, it's, it's great to be able to be able to provide this for you. And we're just uh, hoping that time will come that we can all kind of get past all these precautions and things and just really uh, uh, just enjoy meeting together indoors and get out of the heat and those kind of things as well. So be praying about that, be looking forward. It's coming, we're gonna get there, okay? So there you go. A couple of things that are happening. First of all, we have Trinity Adventure Kids Camp coming up, and that is June 22nd through the 26th here uh, at Trinity Alliance, and you need to sign up for that. And so you can go to the tacreading.info site for that uh, and sign up there. Contact Debbie Vandermark if you have any questions about it. Um, but that is coming up here real fast, and so uh, we got an awesome time plan for the kids and stuff. You just spend some time just getting to know Jesus better and, and just getting to know each other better as well in, in spite of everything that's going on. So make a note of that. Get your kids signed up. It'll be an awesome time. Also, family camp. Um, for the first time that I can remember since we've been doing family camp, we are full. We have all of the sites that have been reserved and everything have been taken up. And so as far as being there overnight, we don't have any room for you if you didn't get signed up. Um, sorry, that's all that we have. The camp is kind of overrun as well. But you can still come up during the day. We'd love to have you come up during the day and, and join us um, and for all the activities and food and things. And so um, we would ask that you let us know. Call my wife, Sherry, and let her know that you're gonna come up for the day or all, all the days, be there during the day, whatever it is. So we can um, make sure to include you in what's going on there as well. So. Uh, that's what's happening in that. As far as the other announcements and things go, take a look at tacreading.info uh, to catch up on what's going on uh, in, the, in the church and activities and things that are beginning to kick up again, home groups and things like that. Some of them are going to continue meeting through the summer, some will not. So uh, just, just take the time to do that. So hopefully by now you've got your communion elements together. And communion is a time for us to reflect and remember what it is that Jesus Christ has done for us, uh, his body and his blood. 
um, giving us that great gift of salvation that only he can give. And we practice something here at, at Trinity Alliance called Open Communion that the Christian Missionary Alliance itself practices. And simply what that is, is all that's required for you to participate in communion is that you have trusted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. And uh, one of the other things that Paul gives to us in 1 Corinthians about communion is making sure that our hearts are clean and pure before the Lord. And so uh, if there's something that, that you have that, that is before the Lord is something that is a, a sin or something in your life that you haven't confessed yet. You need to take time to do that uh, as we journey into this together. And, and so uh, I, I trust that you've done that and I trust that, that as we uh, just spend the next few minutes celebrating the Lord's Supper together, that'll be a blessing to you and, uh, and, and a remembrance of that great and awesome precious gift that Jesus Christ has done for us. Let me share for you a passage of scripture that Paul leads us through, and we'll do this in two parts, and then we'll eat the elements and take the elements together one at a time as we get to these parts. But Paul writes for us in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He begins this way. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So right now, let's take the bread together. The body of Christ, broken for you, to bring you wholeness and to set us free from the tyranny of sin. Let's take and eat it together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your broken body. Thank you that you have seen fit to, to bring yourself to the cross in our place, to hang there, to take on the sins of the world, to endure that pain and suffering that we rightly should be taking on. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for that. May we never take it for granted. May even right now, may it even become all the more swelling up in our hearts and minds in a tremendous fashion. Well, thank you, Lord Jesus. Paul goes on to talk about in the same passage. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's take the juice, whatever it is that you have for the blood of Christ, and let's prepare that together. The juice of the vine, representing the blood of Jesus Christ, shed for you and I, washing us clean from our sins, washing us whiter than snow. And nothing can ever take that away from us. As often as we drink of it, let us do this in remembrance of him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, again, thank you for your shed blood. Thank you for, for how you have washed us clean 
that there's absolutely no impurity in us in your sight. And if we trusted you as Lord and Savior, that, that blood covers us and saves us from a multitude of sins. Lord, I pray that we will never take that blood for granted. That we will understand how precious it indeed is. The power that is in the blood, Lord. May we, may we also recognize and understand that and, and, and embrace it, Lord. Thank you for this great and awesome gift. And giving us this this opportunity to remember what you have done for us, Lord Jesus. Lord, in your name I pray. Amen. All right, Pastor Sean has something to share with us in a ministry highlight. Very good. Thanks, Bob, for leading us in communion. Uh, just great to, again, just remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us important for us to always keep our minds on that and even in these times today that we continue to keep our eyes on Jesus. Uh, it is a difficult time in our world to keep our eyes on Jesus. Uh, there are so many distractions right now, so many things that are happening, so many voices. Uh, there's so much fear that is being conjured up from just watching, turning the TV on, watching the news for a few minutes or going on a Facebook page or social media and reading some of the comments. There's so much going on and it's so hard to keep our eyes on Jesus. But church, let me encourage you that he is the one with the answers he is the one that we need to continue to look to. It is not our government officials who are going to save us. It's not uh, our uh, a proper understanding of these difficult topics that are going to uh, save us and help us to navigate these difficult times. It is the wisdom of Jesus. It is when we keep our eyes on him that he will respond. He will give us what we need in the moment. He will allow us. He'll give us the wisdom, the discernment, the knowing, what we need to do, where we need to go, what we need to say. So let's continue to keep our focus on Jesus in these crazy times. It's, I, I want to take a moment, actually, right now to, to celebrate. We need to have some time to celebrate as well what God has been doing over and over again through this time. I have been telling you, church, God is at work. He is doing stuff in our world. I cannot believe, despite the chaos that is happening, uh, that, that God is just He's everywhere. There are things that are happening all over the place that we may not see on the news because God is doing this behind the scenes in some way he is working. And so I want to just point out a few of those things that we have seen as a church. And these are just a few. I know there's more. And uh, I hope to continue to hear more of these stories. But I just want to zero in on the number of people who have given their life to Christ just this year and people in Trinity Alliance Church who have had the privilege to be a part of that process. So we have had, uh, first of all, Elizabeth and Sultan and their, their team that went to the Middle East in January and February this year, they prayed with five different individuals in the Middle East to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. All right, that's where it starts. We got five already off the bat, just with Elizabeth and Sultan and their ministry abroad. We also had uh, then Audria Kamerik give her life to Christ, and Laura and Rick had the privilege of uh, leading or being there when their daughter 
makes that choice to accept Jesus as Lord. What an amazing celebration. We've already been in conversation with, uh, with them about Audrea getting baptized soon, and we're hoping to do a baptism service here in the next few weeks. Uh, also, uh, we then, uh, then we had a Karen Lammers who uh, takes care of a couple of kids during the week. And she had an eight-year-old girl that she was working with. And she had that privilege to be able to be there and see her accept Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Another amazing celebration. And then Hannah, little Hannah Davis, Adriana and Jason had the privilege of their daughter giving her life to Christ. And so we're up to eight there. We got eight people that our church has been a part of uh, bringing to Christ or being a part of that process that that individual took in order to come and find Christ. But then we've got Mike. He's Mike uh, Hurley. He is our, uh, he, he's our Billy Graham of the church, I guess. <laughs> he probably would be embarrassed if I said that about him, but I'm saying it about him. So Mike, if you see this, <laughs> you're the Billy Graham. But Mike has been helping out with Samaritan's Purse and so this is a Billy Graham organization, and he has been a chaplain on the phone. So he's taking phone calls a couple hours a day, uh, five days a week, uh, and just talking to people that are calling in that are in fear, that are desperate, that are frustrated, that uh, their life is falling apart because of all of this chaos over the last couple of months. And Mike has now led eight people to Jesus. Can you believe this? We've got 16 already in our church. People who in our church have led others to Christ. 16 new believers because, not because of us, but that we've got to be a part of, right? That we've got to experience a little bit of. And I am just praising the Lord for his amazing work. He is drawing, and this is just our little church, right? Imagine this, you know, expanded around the globe. How many people have come to Jesus because of this disruption, over the last couple of months with the pandemic and now in our country with uh, the protests and stuff. It's, it is amazing what God is doing. So please do not let yourself fall into this trap of feeling like everything is falling apart. Oh no, we're, you know, just everything is horrible. Everything is bad and, and being fearful about what tomorrow holds because here is the truth. Jesus holds tomorrow and Jesus is at work he is using all of this disruption to draw people to himself. He is drawing us to himself, those who already believe in him. I know there's many of you who have already, during this time, have felt the, this draw to spend more time with Jesus, more time in prayer. How many of us have spent more time on our knees because of the fear that we feel, the anxiety and the stress of this time? See, Jesus is using this to get people to be more dependent on him. So church, great things are happening. Let's continue to celebrate that reality. Let's celebrate what Jesus is doing on this Sunday morning in your living rooms, and we're gonna be doing that here in the amphitheater, and so let's all celebrate together. Get our eyes on Jesus. Help, may we all pray and ask that Jesus would reveal to us what he's doing, that we would see it with our eyes. It's so hard to see, because you're not gonna see it on the news, right? So you gotta be able to see it with the spiritual eyes that Jesus has given us. All right, let's pray and continue with our service. Lord, we do ask that you would give us eyes to see what you are doing, where you're at work. Lord, help us to recognize the good things that you're doing. Help us to be able to see the new salvations. Help us to recognize our own spirits, our own souls that have been drawn closer to you because of this, that we are becoming more dependent on you, uh, that we are leaning more on you at this time. That's exactly the posture that you want from us. 
You want us to trust you. You want us to lean into you. You will provide. So Lord, give us eyes to see, especially in this time of disruption and chaos. Help us to see your face. Help us to recognize what you are doing. Help us to hear your voice. Lord, give us discernment and wisdom to know what the right words are to say, the right actions that we need to do, the right perspectives we need to have about all that's going on. Lord, you are a mighty and awesome and beautiful and powerful God. And we thank you that you do not desert us in our time of need, but Lord, that you show yourself to even be more faithful in those times of chaos and stress, those times when everything is falling apart all around us. That's when your power comes through. So Lord, we just lift this service up to you today. May you be glorified in it. Lord, we want to lift our voices loud and proud that you are our Savior. So help us, Lord, inspire our worship today. Uh, Lord, allow our ears to be opened up to your word and to your message that we would be able to hear and that we'd be able to understand and that we'd be able to implement that message into our life. Lord, be glorified and bless us with your presence once again. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church, let's continue to worship in song. China, take it away. Sing together from heaven's throne. From heaven's throne, you came to us and set your heart upon the cross. We'll never know the sacrifice you made for all our sin and all our shame. You took our place, I took our place. No one else can do what you. Sing one name. One name is higher. One name is stronger than any grave, than any throne. Christ exalted over all. Sing from the grave. And from the grave where death would die, you rose brought us life. You're reigning now, the Savior of the world. Say you're reigning. You're reigning now, the Savior of Jesus Messiah, to you 
Come I found, come I found every blessing tune my heart to sing thy grace streams of mercy never ceasing songs, songs of loudest praise teach me Like a fetcher, find my wandering 
Praise God. Let's all join together in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for allowing us just to come here today, Lord, just to continue to praise your name in all of this darkness, Lord. Uh, We just ask you, please, just to allow us to be the light into the world, Lord, and that we continue to have hope in you and to continue to trust in you, Lord, and to know that you are God and you are good. And we ask you to please be with Pastor Sean at this moment, Lord. As he preach your word today, we ask you please just to guide him and strengthen him in these words of yours, Lord. And allow him to be able to preach the truth, Lord. And to preach that no matter what, we need you, Lord, and that you are God. And we thank you so much in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Right. So um, there are a lot of uh, TV shows and programs today that have to do with taking something that is old and renewing it, right? Refreshing it and refurbishing it or whatever, right? Ton of shows. Uh, but they love to do that with homes, right? Those are some of my favorite, you know, fixer upper, flip or flop, grand design. And of course, from my era back when I was a little younger, extreme makeover, home edition, right? I mean, come on, that was a great show. Had the big bus and move that bus, right? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Anyway, so I mean, we love these shows. We love uh, to watch the transformation of a home that is maybe run down and kind of falling apart a bit, and then somebody comes in with a vision. Someone comes in and says, you know what? I think we can do something here. And then they put some money into it, a lot of effort and time, and they are able to remodel it so it's like a brand new home again. It you know, has you know, just that beautiful and fe- good feel to it. It looks gorgeous on the outside, on the inside. And every one of these shows, you know, they, it's not about demolish the house and then rebuild a new house right? That's not what the show is. That wouldn't be fun, right? I mean, we do that every day. We build new homes all the time, right? Out of, you know, there's just a dirt, you know, pile of dirt on the ground. You just kind of level it out, put a foundation, you build a house. But these shows, that's not what they do, right? And it's not demolish everything and then restart. Now, they do have to do some demolition, don't get me wrong, but they always kind of looking for the, you know, the foundation is, you know, kind of good and stable and, and it's got, you know, the bones of the house, they would say, are good. And so they keep most of that intact and it's just about kind of giving it a bit of a facelift, if you will, right? And putting on new sheetrock, fixing some holes maybe, and uh, putting on some new paint and changing the flooring and putting in new cabinets, all this kind of stuff. And this is how we, I think, oftentimes view our life as a Christian. 
We, we think that, you know, when we become a Christian, that now, you know, once we kind of bow our knee to Jesus, that now Jesus begins this like, you know, Jesus and me doing this uh, uh, restoration project on our life. We think, you know, there's this sense that, you know, kind of the, the bones are pretty good, but everything else, it's really old and tired and needs to be rebuilt and refreshed, right? And we, we need to have a whole new vision of what this human being is going to look like, how they're, uh, you know, not only what do they look like on the outside, but how do they speak and how do they think and what do they do, you know, what are the actions? And, and so this is typically how we view our salvation. We, we get saved and then this this reclamation project for the rest of our days. And, and so we think that like someday we are hoping that someday we're going to have this amazing intimate relationship with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. We, we think that someday we're going to finally defeat sin. We'll have, you know, we'll have, you know, totally transformed ourselves, and so now we've become this perfect, sinless individual. We think that, you know, maybe someday we look forward to the day when we'll finally get that new heavenly body and, and you're totally transformed, and we have this immorality for the rest of, immortality for the rest of our life. There's some truth in that, but I want to challenge us this morning to see it in a little bit different light. In the light of the fact that Jesus brings resurrection now. Let me read our passage this morning from John chapter 11. Again, we are doing a series on the I am passages of Jesus, right? So uh, I am, this one, the resurrection and the life. So let's read the passage, John 11, verse, we're going to start with verse 21 through 27. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I, I know, I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? <laughs> she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. You see, Jesus reveals in this moment that he is the resurrection, that the resurrection is here now. When he tells Mary I, that, that, that Lazarus is going to rise again, your brother will rise again, and she immediately goes, yeah, yeah, I know, that's a future event. Someday, yes, he will rise again from the dead, and that'll be a great celebration in that day. 
But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about then. I'm not talking about the future. I'm talking about right now. We need to understand that the resurrection of Jesus for all of us is now. It is not just some future event that we're looking forward to. Oftentimes when we think about resurrection, we either do one of two things. We look back to the resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago and celebrate that amazing thing. But oftentimes, we leave Jesus there 2,000 years ago. Well, he he rose 2,000 years ago, but he's really not around today. At least that's maybe sometimes how we behave. But Jesus is resurrected 2,000 years ago, but he's still resurrected today. The other way we look at a resurrection is we look to our resurrection in the future, thinking that someday, yes, I look forward to that day when I get resurrected from the dead. But again, Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. That resurrection is just as alive as the resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago. The truth is that all Christians, the moment they bow their knee to Jesus, are immediately resurrected from the dead. So the view that we should have, this new view that I'm suggesting this morning of the Christian life, is one similar to Michelangelo, the great artist and sculptor who said these words one time, and they're familiar, I'm sure you know them. A sculpture is already complete within the marble block. So he looks at a marble block and he says, the sculpture's already done. It's already complete. It's already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous stuff, the extra stuff, to reveal what's within And I am suggesting this morning, this is the way that we need to begin to view our Christian life. The moment we bow our knee to Jesus, we are resurrected from the dead, which means that our internal state becomes completely transformed. We totally change on the inside, and all that is left is for us to allow that inside to flow out. You see, with the old view, the typical view, we always see as our inside as being the evil piece that we're trying to transform. That the the Christian life is about trying to, to, as we work our bodies, as we work our mouths, as we work our minds, that's all in hope of transforming this evil center that we have. This evil soul, this evil heart that we have. But for the Christian, and that is true, you know, evilness in our heart is true for the unbeliever. But the moment we accept Christ, that is totally transformed. And so what I'm suggesting is that actually the work that we do as Christians seeking sanctification, if you will, is is not about transforming who we are inside. It's about understanding who we are inside and allowing that to flow out of us into our whole life. This resurrection is now perspective is seen in three areas. So I want to outline them a bit for you to kind of defend this point that resurrection is not just some future uh, thing that we're looking forward to, but it's something that is now, that we have right now. First of all, we are resurrected in the now in our relational 
in, in our relational and our relationship, excuse me, with God the Father and with others. We are resurrected from an, a, a relational death. Understand the life that we live before Christ is filled with isolation and loneliness. There is, it is impossible for human beings without the Father to be in relationship with him, without him to be able to have any kind of intimate relationship, first of all, with the Father, and second of all, with others. All of our relationships end up being based on sinfulness and, and this perspective of me and selfishness. We are dead in our relationships without God. We are dead in our relationships, and, they, and, they have, and we are destroyed as a result. But once we bow our knee to Jesus, then, then, resurrection comes. Our relationship with God is first resurrected. All of a sudden, we are connected to him and are able to have this relationship again. It's resurrected from the dead. I've said this so many times. It's so a part of our vision statement that we have, that we are uh, fully enjoying our relationship with Jesus. And the point of that, again, is that we already have a perfect relationship with God. It's not about trying to get closer to him. It's not trying to get his attention. We already fully have it. It's about us enjoying what we have. The moment we bow our knee to Jesus, our relationship with God is fully resurrected from the dead. We have this amazing and perfect relationship. Even with our relationships with others, consider this. Uh, have you ever noticed, and maybe some of you haven't experienced this, but I know I have a lot, and maybe because I grew up in the church, but uh, it, it, there's just something about meeting a Christian that's different than meeting someone who's not a Christian. You know, going to a Christian conference, there's just a different feel about interacting with people, even though you don't know them. If you know that they're Christians. There is something that attracts us, that has drawn us. That relationship is already healed. Now, don't get me wrong. Churches beat each other up all the time, right? Individuals in churches. We have relational issues. There's struggles that happen. But understand that the moment we bow our knee to Jesus, there's, all, there's not just this reconciliation of relationship with God, it's also a reconciliation of relationship with other believers. We need to understand that God has accepted us just as we are. This is what the resurrection is all about, that we now are connected and accepted by God. I was thinking about, you know, the other day about uh, having a child, right? You know, I mean, what, what that means and, and, and the immediate connection that you have with one of your kids, right, when they're born, right? I mean, especially for moms, right? I mean, for a dad, sometimes we can kind of like, ah, oh, they done yet, you know, kind of thing in there or whatever. Oh, yeah, look, it's a baby, cool. Uh, but, you know, for a mom especially, right, there's, they are already so connected but that by the time that child is born, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, this is just, there is so much love there. And, you know, what's amazing is that, you know, babies are, like, not easy, <laughs> right? I mean, they, you know, got to be fed every few hours, and, and it doesn't matter if you've slept or not in those few hours between. They still need to be fed, right? They can't make messes in their 
yeah, diapers and stuff. I mean, it's not good, right? Babies are difficult, right? They're, they're a challenge. I was just talking to Shalim about sometimes the challenge of being a father with a, a you know, less than one-year-old and the things that they do. You're like, what? You're not even one yet, and you're always, what? But we love them just as they are. Our love is not based on whether they, you know, you know get potty trained, <laughs> We hope they do someday, but you know, as a, as a baby, you're not thinking about, oh, I wish they'd be potty trained. Matter of fact, I've talked to many mothers who, at some point, they when they all their kids are grown, they're like, ah, oh, kind of miss that, you know, kind of diaper changing time, just that kind of me and my child time, right? So there's just something about this love that we have, and this is the love that the Father has for us. You know, so we, so we so often are trying to strive to get God's attention. We're trying to strive in order to, you know, appease him and to make him happy, you know, so that he'll accept us. But again, we're already accepted. He looks and he sees us doing all these things. And he says, no, no, it's okay. I, I love you already. Even when you make a mess, it's okay. I love you already. It doesn't matter. I love you just as you are. You're part of my family. I'm not getting rid of you. You're stuck with me forever. The next area that needs resurrection is our spirits. Before we bow our knee to Jesus, we are spiritually dead. And what I mean by that is we are sinful beings. It's true in scripture talks about the evilness of our hearts, sinful nature that is there. Again, talking about one-year-olds, you know, I remember my son, and I mean, it's amazing how young they can be, and already they're learning sin, right? I mean, what? Wait a second. It's just true. We are evil beings at our core, but the moment we bow our knee to Jesus, that all changes. Our spirits are resurrected now, not in the future, we are immediately forgiven from all of our sin. We are immediately uh, uh, broken from the chain of sin. We have the, f- the first time in our life, the moment we bow our knee, we're able to finally do something that's righteous, to make a choice that's other than sin. Understand that this is the case. You know, so many of us spend our lives trying to battle sin and trying to defeat sin and being shamed by our sin and being filled with guilt by our sin and allowing that shame and that guilt to separate us from others, to separate us from God because we just feel like we're not worthy to be in God's presence. But we must understand that as Christians, inside, we have already resurrected from the dead of our sin. <laughs> we are no longer sinful beings. We still sin, yes, but it's not something that's coming from within anymore. It's the old self that's still kind of hanging on. This is the sanctification process. We're working on kind of shedding that old skin, getting the old man off of us, so that we can finally be able to experience and enjoy who we are. I want to read uh, briefly just Romans chapter 6, a few uh, verses there that kind of highlight this reality. Romans 6, verses 7 to 11. For one who has died has been set free from sin. 
Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. It is not, when we become a Christian, there's no longer this center piece of sin inside of us that we're trying to defeat. Sin is already defeated. Inside of us has totally been transformed. It has been resurrected from the dead and is alive and it's the way that God intended it to be. It's perfect. So it is not an inside, it's not the insides that need to be transformed. It's the outsides. That's the enjoyment of that perfection that we now have. And so it's a life that's lived seeking to change the way the outside, not change the inside. So that when we do sin, this is why Paul can say, I do the things that I don't want to do. Because the inside, and this is in Romans 7, inside of him, he's, he knows that he's already perfected. But it's his outside, his sinful nature that's still hanging on, that's clinging, that's still causing him to do things that he doesn't want to do. And we do not pay the penalty for the things that we don't want to do anymore in our relationship with God. We are totally accepted, totally forgiven. So many of us spend all of our lives focused on sin as if that is the greatest enemy. But here's the deal. Sin is already defeated in us. It's done. Now, we're not experiencing that fully yet. But it's not us anymore. It reminds me of uh, uh, the circus. I don't know if you've ever been to a circus where they have elephants, right? I mean, elephants are maybe not as a big deal as they used to be, but uh, uh, in circuses, and circuses aren't as big deal as they used to be, but uh, elephants, right, in the circus, biggest animal, right? Biggest animal, uh, it's so powerful, so strong, and then they have like this, you know, it's, it's like chained, not even chained, it's tied to a little stake in the ground, Right, you know, and, and the elephant just stands there. I mean, I'm, you ever wonder, like, you look at that and go, okay, that's a really big elephant, and that's just a stick that was pounded into the ground, and there's just like this rope that's kind of tied around. It, yeah, uh, that's not going to keep him there, but it does. Why does it? Because when the elephant is young, they actually cement that stake into the ground. And they teach the elephant when it's young that there's nothing it can do, that this is just an impenetrable, you know, it can't, can't break it, can't break the chain, can't get away from this stake. This stake is it's just, there's no use trying. And so the elephant learns after a while, well, I can't, I, can't, I can't get away from that. And so even though when it grows and gets big, it still stays right there and allows this little stake that's now just pounded in the ground to hold them in place. And this is like us, sometimes as Christians, dealing with sin. We spend maybe many years of our life being beat down and, and, and chained to sin and always going, ah, it always wins, it always wins. I can't do anything but sin. Everything I do is sin, ah, over and over again. And so we spend our lives doing this and then we come to Christ. But we still think that sin is bigger than us. 
We get resurrected to life. We become this full-size elephant, if you will, and yet we still let this little thing called sin hold us in place and keep us, limit, limits us from what we will do or where we'll go or what kind of relationships we'll engage in. Folks, we've been resurrected. Our spirits have been resurrected already. We don't have to just look to the future to hope that someday I'll get to be perfect. We already are perfect. It's a matter of just letting that kind of flow out of us. Let, may we experience that more and more. All right, next we have uh, the resurrection of our bodies. You see, we are all dead physically before we come to Christ. Now, you might say, wait a second, we're still alive. Well, we're you know, living our life. We're not dead dead. I mean, we're just kind of living. Yeah, we are, but I would say we're more like zombies in a sense. We're dead, but we're still moving around. There's no life in us until we find Christ. The bodies that we have that have been created for us without a spirit, have, there's, there's really no life in it. They're not doing what they were designed to do. They're just a hunk of flesh in, a, in essence. And so resurrection comes to our physical bodies as well the moment we bow our knee to Jesus. When we do that act of, uh, of coming to salvation, it, he restores our body and our mind. We all of a sudden, in that moment, go from being a mortal being to, in essence, an immortal being. Understand, I know we're still going to die someday, but uh, we'll get there. But immortality comes on us the moment we are saved. We immediately go from a being that, was, that is dying and condemned to a being that is now eternal, looking to all eternity with immortality. You see, when the resurrection comes into our life, physical death is no death at all. When we have eternity to look forward to, when we have the kingdom of God to look forward to, when we know that death is not the end, physical death here on this earth is not the end, then all of a sudden now, I mean, it's, it goes beyond that. So death becomes not a big deal. It becomes simply a transition. Simply a point in time that, okay, we transition from Okay, this existence life to that next existence life. There's power in understanding that we are immortal. There's so many of us that are so focused still, even as Christians, on death. We, we still think that's the greatest enemy. You know, sin and death, those are the two big ones we've got to try to defeat. And so we live our lives sometimes frantically trying to get in all these experiences before we die because, oh, when we die, then it's over. We don't get anything else. Without recognizing, wait a second, no, we're eternal beings. We have all of eternity to enjoy life. All of eternity to explore this world that we live in, to enjoy Boy, the life that God has given us, all of eternity. This is not the only aspect of life. This is not the only time of life. It goes on for all eternity. There's no need, when we understand that we are immortal, there's no need for us to hoard. 
So many of us are trying to build our earthly kingdoms. Again, because we have a very uh, a mortal perspective that we're going to die. And so we got to get all these goodies. We got to have all this stuff. So at least a few years of our life are going to be just kind of restful and enjoy it. That is, that is not an eternal perspective of life. An eternal perspective of life recognizes that this is just a blip on the timeline of eternity. And so we don't have to hoard all these things. I've got all eternity to enjoy all these things, whatever it may be, to travel, to, to you know, have you know, maybe a bigger house or to have a nicer car or whatever. We have all of eternity to enjoy all of those things. And we don't also have to hurry. When we understand that we're immortal, all of a sudden hurry kind of goes away as well. Now you might think, you know, well, what about our mission? You know, we've, we've got to be able to bring people to Christ and I've got to do as much as that I can before I die because after I die, I can't do it. No, 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 wait a second. This is God's eternity. It's God who brings people to Christ. That's a very short perspective. It's a very selfish perspective to think that it's all about you and putting in all the effort in order to bring people to Christ. When we, have a, a, when we view ourselves through the lens of immortality and knowing that we're going to be living for all eternity, we can slow down. We don't have to pack in all this stuff before we die. Time begins to have a bigger, you know, a little bit different meaning to it. We're always fighting. Oh, I only got so many hours in the day. I only got so many minutes in my life. Ah, I got to use every one very well. No, no, no. You got all eternity. <laughs> Slow down. When we understand that we have been resurrected already, our bodies have already been resurrected, stuff becomes less important and people become more important. Events become less important and our responses become more important. Offenses become less important and reconciliation becomes more important. Tomorrow becomes less important and today becomes more important. All right, worship team, why don't you come up? Just a couple of concluding thoughts. Jesus not only rose from the dead, he has risen us from the dead too. Not just some future event that we're looking forward to, but now. We have already been resurrected. Our relationship with God's been resurrected. Our spirits have been resurrected and purified. Our, even our physical lives have been resurrected already. We have eternity to look forward to. We must learn to live out our resurrection now. We so often are worried about trying to transform ourselves so that we will be worthy of, what, of the relationship with God. Transform ourselves so that we can feel like we are now righteous. Transform ourselves so that we feel like God will want to resurrect us from the dead. Those are the wrong perspectives. 
We need to understand that we're already re resurrected. Our relationship with God is already perfect. The righteousness of God has already transformed us. We're already perfect. We, our bodies have already been transformed internally. We already have immortality within us. It is all going to come out once we get to eternity. It's, it's a matter of living that out and enjoying that, experiencing that more. We already are a child of God. We already have perfect righteousness. We already have eternal life. It's who we are. Final image to consider, the butterfly. Starts out, of course, as this little caterpillar, <laughs> fuzzy little thing, they're usually kind of cute, right? And then eventually it builds this chrysalis the butterfly is already inside the caterpillar. The caterpillar doesn't have to change its outside in order to make the inside better. The caterpillar allows the inside to transform the outside so that you can enjoy the fullness of what it was made to be in the butterfly. We as Christians, we are united with God in removing the old life and living out of who we already are on the inside. Church, let's trust Jesus. Let's live out our resurrection today. It's not something that's just in the future. It's for today. It's for now. All right, let's sing a couple songs. Sing amazing love.
Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us again and just for this reality that, Lord, when we surrender our life, you immediately resurrect our life. Lord, it becomes brand new, becomes something that is designed for eternity, something it is the way you've designed it. It goes from being corrupted 